This is Up The Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your hosts, my good friend Daniel Krupa and me, Gav Murphy. Today, Jonathan finally has another cheese sandwich and we learn about some very seedy happenings going on down in the woods. So on this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect? of Gorgon's Wood. A priceless Japanese artifact belonging to famous chef Owen Glendower miraculously disappears from a provincial museum under impossible circumstances. Lots of other mad stuff happens too. (laughs) I remember really, really liking this episode. But I think it's because I really like the, how they get the artifact out. Yes, I think the... If we zero in on the effect, I think mm. this is classic Jonathan Creek. Yes. Because even the staging of it looks like a magic trick. And it even has dubious cultural tones like an Adam Klaus effect. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the presentation of it. It is, you know, it looks like magical apparatus. How has this thing disappeared? It's nice and simple. Mm. But like a lot of these recent episodes, a lot of the things around it become so involved but i think the central mystery is good yeah like that's the thing i i I think what i was just unclear with quite a lot of the time because i know they they pile in a load of family connections and things like that so a lot of the time i was just confused over motive and why people were doing the things that they were doing and i don't think that what you get out of it is presented in a very neat way or is in a way that you can follow. Massively. I like um, at the beginning when they go to the little tiny museum, which is basically a school hall. Um, Glenn Dowis says to Carla, well, can't you see? What she's pulled off here is a very clever conjuring trick. Yeah, I know, mate. You never watched Jonathan Creek. <laughs> that's why he's here. I think that that's... Let's just do the method right, because so inspired by Glendower's recipe for an edible toy, the museum's creator Thelma Bailey, along with her daughter Gillian, create a convincing replica of the statue, which Thelma eats when alone with the statue, right? Yeah. So, and then there's a bunch of other stuff then that, so Thelma and Glendower and Owen are actually brother and sister, they're actually siblings, it feels like from the start, Owen hates Thelma. So I'm I'm not I'm re- I was really confused over why Owen has decided to have his artifact in her museum. This is the weird thing about this episode. The actual trick mm. becomes the secondary mystery to everything around it. If you're in that situation, you know you fucked up. Yeah, because the the motivations are more obscure and there's deception involved in manipulating people to do things as well. Yeah. That we'll get onto with the prostitute. Mm. Yeah, so they were separated when they were really young. Their parents split up. And there's this throwaway line that I think carries a meant it's given too much weight to carry, that they were separated and each parent turned the one against the other. That's right, yeah. But then why is it years later he's given her this statue? Because I thought, does... Is it, is it she going to expose that they're brother and sister? But who would care? Because it feels like they both know, right? Yes, they do. Because I wasn't yeah. sure for a bit whether they knew, but they do know. She definitely knows because she set this entire thing up. He definitely knows because he hates her from the start. Why is he 
Why is he bringing his thing to a museum? I don't know. You just say no, surely, from the start. he seems like <laughs> a bit of a dick in general, so... Because it kind of doesn't make... I just... It doesn't make any sense to me at all, but unless... One, unless the relationship is secret from someone, but it doesn't feel like it is at all. Yeah, unless she's got something over him, which she doesn't. Yeah. It's, and it, uh, I, I, Wait, doesn't the daughter... She's manipulating him to get the statue off him, isn't she? So... Yeah, she, that's what they're doing in the end. Again, the fact that we've just watched this episode <laughs> and we're having this conversation, that's what, they're, that's what that whole thing's about, isn't it? Yeah. The daughter's doing that, but the mum doesn't know, does she? Mum doesn't know any of that. But is that how the that's how the daughter gets the statue in the first place, isn't she? By flirting with him. Yeah. So maybe okay, well maybe that is then like she gets the statue in the first place by flirting with him and then But what does the mum think's happening? I have no idea. They're just gonna steal it from him? Yeah. And sell it? I don't know. I guess she's just It's really strange. Well, let's do the clues. So but, but like a huge clue that Jonathan really latches onto is the fact that Engelbert Humperdinck and Jethro Tull are both obscure names from history and Owen Glyndwr is another one. So he's taken his name, Owen, Owen Glendower, from Owen Glyndwr. At no point does Jonathan even attempt to say it properly in Welsh, by the way. And it's not spelt anywhere near the same. Really strange, which makes it even odd. I mean, the beginning of this episode should probably have Reset your expectations on cultural sensitivity. Yeah. <laughs> Pronouncing Japanese stuff in the craziest way possible. We'll get back to that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So is Owen Glendower meant to have been a little fight to Jonathan in the first place going, oh, I know that name from another context. I mean, yeah, could possibly just have that name. It could possibly just have that name, but it also doesn't work because if it's meant to be like Jethro Tull, that's exactly how you say it, and that's exactly how you spell it. Engelbert Hartmanding, same. Owen Glendower is nobody, is nothing. It means nothing in Welsh. Owen Glendour is the person. So it doesn't really make that much sense where he's like... Oh. So he's anglicised it. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, that doesn't make any sense because that's not the person. So I don't know how he manages to click onto that. So how's Jonathan got that connection then? It's basically just to have seeded this idea that he's not who he says he is. Yeah. But that's it. It's messy. Because you don't need Owen Glendur. All you need is like Elton John. You just need like, or like you need these names. You just need a, an artist there that is not the, that is not their name. And he just goes, ah, right. Okay. But for some reason, this, per, this person's private record collection <laughs> unlocks the key to quite a lot of the storyline. Yeah. And also it relies on him choosing a name that is a historical figure. You could just change the name to anything anything um the other clue i put down and i don't know if it's even a clue but it does stick out when he rifles through the cookbook is the mad looking teddy bear yeah it's almost like the trick jonathan did in the taylor's dummy when he riffles through the cards and holds that one for a second longer yeah they riffle through the cookbook and they just hold that image of the mad looking teddy bear for just a second too long also who has cookbooks in their bedroom yeah <laughs> And, like, I do kind of like the idea of them using, like, one of his recipes against him. But <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you add it all in, you're just like, okay, I guess. The epiphanies. So there's one that's good and one that's bad. Yes. The one that I think is bad is the ice-cold sorbet. Yeah. Because it gives Jonathan an ice cream heady. 
And then he's screaming mm. in a way that when Brennan overhears it on the phone, it could be they're having sex. Yes. And this calls back to something we said in the last episode. The whole crux of that is going, oh, you thought something was happening that wasn't actually happening. You yeah. misinterpreted it. Again, <laughs> that's magic. That is, that's not specific. And it's not an epiphany that relates to this case at all. No. The one that I think is good is the M&M. Yeah, that is good. Because it's a thin outer shell. And the whole trick is they've created a shell, which is actually quite a common prop in magic. If you're doing yeah. like billiard ball tricks, a shell is a thing in magic. So I think that's kind of cool and that's kind of neat. But also as well, the thing that I don't like about the ice cold sorbet being a big enough is it's not like we see Brendan overhearing them and then freaking out yeah. that his wife's having sex. Th- nothing, none of that happens at all. So you don't see any consequences of that. So it would feel weird then that it clicks with Jonathan in a way because nothing. these are no fallout from that. That only registers for you, the audience, never for them, the characters. Maybe Carla a little bit. She's like, don't do that. Yeah, sharp. Yeah. It's not It's not strong enough, I don't think, at all. That's the things like the clues that we're getting are getting less like weaker and weaker and weaker. And But even in this one, to be fair, I don't actually... I feel like you are given, other than the Engelbert Humperdinck Owen Glyndur thing, the teddy bear thing, you're given that clue. So you could work that out. And when you do, you're like, oh, shit, okay, yeah. I guess the other one slightly is she has a reaction to something and you could possibly yes. infer it's an allergic reaction to something. But mm. maybe with the combined with the teddy bear, you could maybe figure out what that is. But I think that's muddied. I think the reaction is muddied by the fact that Carla goes, well, it's obvious they've stashed it somewhere in the woods and she's been stung by a singing nettles. Mm. They have stashed it somewhere in the woods. So yeah. it, like, it, it kind of muddies that entire thing where you're just like, oh, but... The result is exactly the same, but how Carla arrives on there is completely different. Yeah. So it just it, it's just needlessly complicated. That is because it's actually quite an int- it's, it's quite a fun side effect or a literal side effect of the trick, you know. But then Carl explains it away with something that we actually see happen, even though that's not what happened. It's really frustrating and overcomplicated. No more so than the motivations. Oh my god! Right, we. I need to unpack this for myself because I don't. Th- I think I realized I just started this episode, and I don't think I fully understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the daughter Jillian. Yes, she's got her own agenda, and she does yeah. one with the statue to achieve this and manipulate her uncle even further. Mm. While out and about, she happens to meet or see a prostitute from a distance. Well, no, a guy comes up to her, a curb crawler, thinking she is a prostitute that he's used before. That guy drives away and from across the road, she sees a, a, a sex worker that resembles herself, who she then hires to sleep with her uncle. Yeah. But to sleep with her uncle, she still leads him along with this premise that she, you're meeting my alternate persona. Yeah, why? I guess it's just to, so they don't have sex immediately. Because she's coming on to him a bit in his house yeah. to string him along. And he's like ready to go then and there. And she goes, oh, not like this. You'll have to meet me in other circumstances. Yeah. Because she obviously doesn't want to actually sleep with her uncle. No, yeah, that's absolutely fine. And I do get that. And then she's like, right, you have to come here. Like... I'm. I was just confused whether or not he thinks it's her because she's like. Yeah. So initially, I thought she was saying, "I actually just have a friend that you can sleep with." Yeah. But 
it comes clear that I think he does think it's her and it's just a, right. a persona she's adopting so she can right like a sex game thing. Okay, well, that's kind of better then, I guess. But And then, but there's also a thing that Dawn, the prostitute, has to have a severe facial disfigurement as a plot point. Oh, yeah. And then you get confused because we've also had Thelma having some facial disfigurement, which Jonathan says he's averse to. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Because what is really odd is Jonathan has this phobia of facial disfigurements and he's like freaking out when he sees Thelma like with just a bit of a swollen face. When he sees someone who's like half their face is burnt, it feels like he doesn't even react. No. Even though this setup of him having a phobia of weird faces is set up earlier when he meets the prostitute with the burnt face he doesn't say anything no he's just like yeah whatever it's fine it's really odd that huh? again I, I don't really understand why they want to even make it appear that the things disappeared in the first place just to wind up her brother yeah i guess so because they've all they've hate him <laughs> is it because although i guess is it because if it's disappeared is it because it's under such close scrutiny by the security it would have to disappear because otherwise they would know that they had it yeah but why do they just want him to lose the statue and be out of pocket and look silly yeah i don't know i really don't know yeah it's yeah it's kind of really really strange i think dawn what um sorry jillian takes it because i guess she wants the money but her mum just wants to get her own back on her brother for leaving her behind i don't know it's wild and then Within all this, Mm. there's another bit of trickery, deception, misinterpretation of data. When they find the tape of Gillian. Yeah. What they think she's having sex against a tree with her uncle. Yes. And it turns out she's actually being murdered by Dawn's pimp. Yeah. Like, just drop that in as well. That's the thing that happens in this episode. She's pinned against the tree with with a rake. Also, as well as like, if you're confused about motivations i have no idea why that guy killed her no he just wants this the money from the statue yeah how are they selling that <laughs> maybe the burns though just to go this guy is nuts and violent right okay yeah maybe yeah i just think having it in, a, in an episode where you've built up that jonathan's afraid of facial disfigurements and then meeting someone with a wild facial disfigurement and he doesn't even react to it the other one possibly why she has disfigurement is when they meet she wears the mask so it's maybe not as obvious it isn't actually Jillian yeah I don't know it's all really odd as well because when they meet her she's got her hair over her face and you're like oh shit that's just Jillian she has like an alternate life or something like that and it's not clear for ages what is actually going on so not in a sense of, oh, this has created an air of mystery and I can't wait to find out why. It just all feels really odd and like like, like it's all un, quite unplanned. Just never trust a double. We know. <laughs> Dawn will have complete power over you. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. Yeah. So Jillian, she murdered in the forest. Yeah. Like they drag her body out of a tree. It's buzzing. <laughs> yeah. Lots happens in this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, we've had the effect, the method, and the reveal of this episode, but there are other elements which make up every single episode of Jonathan Creek, starting with the Victor Meldrew Award for Most Unbelievable Scene. It is all wild, this is. Because like, in the middle of all this nonsense, and there's a lot of nonsense in this episode, we've also got a lady trying to defraud... 
Adam Klaus because he's done some hypnotism trick on TV. I've even forgotten that was in this episode. Uh, he's done some hypnotism trick on TV and uh, it's just never clear to me whether or not she has actually been hypnotized. Mrs. Trimpson. Yeah. Yeah. Has she been hypnotized? Yes. No. She's doing it for the money. I don't know. It's really never clear. You can read the end scene both ways, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because in the middle of all this, then Adam's been in a reality TV show based on Animal Farm. So he smells of shit pig shit and then he produced by brendan produced by brendan hosted by carla which i don't even fucking know where her job is anymore and he comes in at the end and then it kind of snaps her out the hypnotism thing but then you could she she could have actually been hypnotized because there's a bit in the court where they're trying to wake her up and they're like fire a gun um they they hit her like it looks like an advert for something it looks like a shit advert from the 90s. Cause, yeah, because is the comedy she's faking all along and yet that is worse to snap her out of it? Or is the comedy she's genuinely hypnotized and that's still bad enough to... It, it could be either way. Yeah. I don't think the episode really knows what it wants to do with it because Adam Klaus says to him, like, is she, is she for real? And Jonathan's, like, really vague. He's like, she, she's good. She's good. It's like, is, is, do you think she is? Or yeah. But the episode ends with her just going fresh air, fresh air, and like, I can't believe this as an end to something that adults made. <laughs> it's wild, particularly when this is Carla's Carla Borrego's last ever Jonathan Creek episode. This is so you're like, right? What is what is all their relationships have been built into? An old lady running out because she can smell some pig shit. Awful. It's not an ending for anyone, that, is it? No. We've already touched on it. Another nominee, I think, is having the sorbet. Yeah. And the it sounding like they're having sex while she's on the phone to her husband. Oh, God. There you go. The knitting needles behind the eyes. Every time. It's a stabbing sensation. It's just... Oh. Hello? Oh. oh yes, hi darling. Oh God! No, no, I'm oh. fine. Um, oh. Look, can I call you back in just a minute? I'm in the middle of something. Okay, bye. Oh God! What are you like? What the hell he thought was going on here? I shudder to imagine. I did warn you. Ice cold sorbet. I'm sorry. It does that to me every time. Jonathan is particularly bad in that scene. Like, his acting is awful in that scene. No one would react like that. Jonathan Creek, nope. everything we know about him, he wouldn't react like that. Yeah. That is simply to have the presentation of it sounding like that. It's not good enough. Yeah, it's really not. Dragging along an old man with sciatica <laughs> through a forest. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going on? And then he's like, directing them, going, just left at the next beach. Yeah. <laughs> Carla being a chiropractor and like pushing his back into thing, putting an apple in his mouth. That whole thing is just really odd. Him giving Carla an abnormally large brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really odd, that is. Because of a misunderstanding of phrasing. Yeah, that's really strange. I think that's common in Meldrew that someone will say something, you take it at face value, like magic. Yeah. And it turns out it's a big, it's actually literally a big brain in a jar. Well, you say in, 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 
one foot in the grave, but like poached octopus. I just, I'll never get over poached octopus. It's the same gag, isn't it? It's exactly the same gag. Yeah. But what we are we just saying, Adam, an animal farm and Mrs. Thrimpson? I think it's that. I think it's her being hypnotized, uh, but like it's never done in a satisfying way because I don't even fucking know if they are. Let's give the award to that. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's dated the most exercise tapes yeah that's a good one i don't know if those are still a thing like selling vhs of like the idea of a famous person not known for exercise doing exercise tape hello i'm beverly callard and i'd really like you to join me and some friends in our workout we'll take you through a program which will help you to tone up help you to lose weight and hopefully have a bit of fun as well pretty dated isn't it i don't even know if they made anyone similar as like when we talked a couple of episodes ago about stand-up dvds like they used to be a big thing at christmas like they just all the shops in the uk would just be full of them which is like exercise videos of like celebrity exercise videos stand-up dvds and celebrity books as well with really just bad puns i think that's the thing i've dated the most in this episode what's yours um the carpet in dawn's flat <laughs> i had a carpet like that in my mum's house when i was growing up just a really dark uh, densely patterned carpet yeah you don't see carpets like that anymore ever yeah just because i didn't know where to put this in i'm just going to talk about it here because we're in dawn's flat at the end mm. did you see that just abysmal continuity on the statue being dropped no so car jonathan's at the door it's a very narrow staircase leading to a front door jonathan's in front carl is coming down the stairs carl trips on the stairs yeah uh, over the body the the statue goes over the guy's body yeah and smashes when it smashes carl is in front of the statue next to jonathan <laughs> looks back goes oh no Oh my god! So she's like teleported in front of the statue. Jesus Christ! God, I hope someone got fired for that. <laughs> I've forgotten that the statue smashed. <laughs> um, well, D- Dawn kills her pimp. We didn't even talk about that. Anyway, let's. Go. Sorry. Yeah, m- most British thing. I really got anything. Um, I think the I, the reaction that Jonathan and Carla have after they meet Dawn and the pimp for the first time like he's pulled a knife on them yeah. the next scene like five seconds later they're just walking calmly and going whoa I was a bit mad wasn't it such a British reaction to things actually bird watching bird watching very good yeah that's quite a very British thing have you ever known a bird watcher no when I used to live on a boat there was a guy down there who uh, who was a bird watcher and like you, I did get a little bit into it because like he'd come over and be like, oh, guess what I saw today? And then he'd show me like a photo or it'll be a book and being like, I've just seen this. But so many times you'd be like, oh, I seen this today. And he just showed me a picture on a book. I was like, Tom, you could be lying all this time. I was kind of, I was kind of into it. I think in mystery stuff like this, you're almost meant to view them with a degree of suspicion. Yes. Because it's voyeuristic. And also this guy seems really weird, but he's actually fine. But yeah. filming in the woods, you're like, is there something wrong with him? Yeah. I think all most bird watchers, badger watchers, all that stuff, and we've had that in Jonathan Creek. They're always people who are sitting and watching and end up seeing something they're not meant to see. Um, so that it's almost like used as a function. So yeah, I think so. That's definitely on. That's my most British thing, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. All I have is bird watching. Is that all right? I mean, top of this is just anglicizing one of the 
strongest revolutionary men we've ever had in Wales and call him Owen Glendower. Not even attempting Owen Glendour. It's fucking bullshit. Just take this off the air. Take this. this is one that would be like, no, we have to take this one down. Like when they take off like Hanna Barbera uh, cartoons because they're too racist. Also, the loaded language is it? I guess it's a matter of perspective. They describe him as a Welsh warlord. Yeah, because uh, like he fame, like he had famous beef uh, with King Richard II and uh, absolutely run Richard II's show. But yeah, I guess different perspective. We never see him as a warlord. See him as an absolute legend. Absolute ledge. What lad? One absolute lad. Also. I mean, I guess, like, the the treatment of Mrs. Thrimson, like, they do fucking, they hammer shit out of her, which is pretty good. But I think Jonathan talking about the exercise tapes, referring to the type of people who buy them as dim-witted plumpers. Yeah, and then we, the presentation of the guy who comes along. Although, yeah, are those people even real? Because those are the people that trap Carla into signing away her rights to sex products. Yeah, so that lady is not real, yeah. So, I guess... So is her nephew not, or the act? No, I guess like he look, does look like that, but yeah. he's probably not the lady's nephew. Yeah, I guess before we get onto the big one, just because it kind of relates to what you put in most British, I don't think it's all right for them to see an abused sex worker and not call the police. Yeah, well, th- that's what I mean. Like, I know I put it in most British thing, but like they see an abused sex worker, they get held at knife point, and they just kind of walk away calmly, being like, "Oh, there we are, that's the end of that." They kind of normalise that behaviour straight away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is not on. Uh, I've put as well, mistreating those pigs on the TV show. Like, I don't think that would be allowed. No. Like you know what the rule is on stuff like that? Whether an animal has a vertebrate or not. Really? If it has a spine. That's why on things that such as, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Yeah. You can do all those crazy things with insects. Right. Where they're obviously dying and getting crushed. If Sue yeah. doesn't have a spine, you can do whatever you want with it. Fucking hell. That's horrible. They even sell like a I'm a celebrity pack in Iceland. So you can get all these grubs, frozen grubs and stuff like that and kind of like eat them along in your house if you want. Fuck, I don't know. I don't, I don't watch that. So I don't know how much of that is still involved. But I guess it's probably quite a lot, is it? Yeah. Eat it's just, fucking big I guess just cramming a load of things into a, a box where someone's head's going to be. You wouldn't do it with... A bunch of kittens. Yeah, I guess they put rats in there, don't yeah. they? Maybe like, they're not being hurt. Maybe, I think it's when they're getting basically squashed and somebody's like yeah. rolling about. Because I feel like that. If there was a rat on, like, by my feet and then I booted it to death, <laughs> am I going to get in trouble for that? Like, I'll be sad about the rat, don't get me wrong, but... We shouldn't have filmed that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a huge one here. The incest on a Saturday night? Oh, is it? Uh, not even that one. And that one should be registered. <laughs> yeah. Sleeping with his sister's daughter, I've put a bit much. He seems into it. Yeah. Because this is, this is the thing that adds to the idea of what I was saying earlier, is like, how much does he know and how much are people involved? Because if he doesn't know that that's his niece or whatever... Then what? I have fucking no idea what's going on. <laughs> the way I read it is he does, and but through the course of sleeping with her two or three times, he starts it, he starts to go, "This is wrong." But right. I feel you know that before you get started. Yeah, I don't know. The big one I've got for this is at, right at the beginning of the episode, the presentation of Sokoto No. Oh yeah, the <laughs> statue. I like when <laughs> Owen says, "Oh, I'm quite convinced he's a wrongen." Look at the eyes. Positively glowing with evil. <gasps> yeah. And they're just normal eyes. 
It's not on us, is it? Come on, Owen. And also Bamber Gascoigne just going, yeah. Yeah. Why is he in it? I think as well, it's a conversation that we have quite a lot about music. Whenever we've made videos that, well, like we made a video that was, you know, us trying to play a video game from every country in the EU. And, you know, we've, we're currently playing a video game that is set in feudal Japan. And it's a thing that we talk about a lot where it's like, we will put a bit, we'll find some music and go, I don't know if that's on using that music like that. And I feel like we think about the type of music that we use in our YouTube videos more than anybody at the BBC in the 2000s are thinking about how they used all their library of music. Because I think sometimes the cues and stuff are just so tone deaf, weirdly. They might as well put in Kung Fu Fighting. Yeah. It's that level of subtlety. It really is. Because I think if you're going to do that, you would get someone who is a Japanese orchestrator to do a, yeah. an orchestration of the Jonathan Creek score, bring them on. If if you really wanted to go down that route, it's not just get something that's available in your library and go, that'll do. That'll do. Sounds remotely Asian. They'll love it. It'll fit perfectly. All right, let's open up the grot cabinet then. We actually go into a grot shop in this. There's an entire storyline about who buys exercise tapes. And if the idea is that actually they're seen as almost like softcore porn that people are buying. And we keep seeing this coming up now and again where like the builders have got it in there and they're watching it in the front of their van and stuff like that. I'm not fine with that situation. I'm not fine with that as a storyline because I think it's nonsense. What I don't understand is why you then would be selling an exercise tape, which is just a lady doing exercise in a shop where you can get full-on grots. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because the idea is that, oh, actually, the people who are buying the tapes are too embarrassed to go into a sex shop and buy real porn. So they buy exercise tapes because they can buy them in fucking Woolies and just get their rocks off of that. You wouldn't then be selling it in a grot shop. <laughs> to be honest, is, is the Carla sex doll and her mm. accidentally signing away the rights... That's actually a good Meldrew award. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Well, there is that one shot where she's doing the exact same face as the sex doll. And you're just like, that is not a normal face that anyone in That's who is human would pull. I forgot about that. It's very odd, that is. Also, again, remember, this is fucking Saturday night. I think this is one of the grot grotty's episode. And this is the one that doesn't have a shot of a cock or a set of tits in it. Yeah. <laughs> There's proper shagging. Mm. When he goes to a really seedy bedroom to have sex with someone he thinks is his niece. Yeah. It's quite a long sequence for a Saturday night show of him on top of her. Yeah. It's quite horrible. I find the way that uh, Renwick and the people behind this, I find the way that they do like sex worker rooms really horrible. It makes me feel sick. Like it's still like the curious tale of Mr. Spearfish when he goes to that dominatrix style lady. Like the rooms that they got are they just like these disgusting old horrible dirty rooms. Yeah. Uh, I think they're just gross. I Renwick's oh he loves a bit of incest. He's also Ghost Forge. Yeah. He's really he's a few times like really young women with older men they're related to. This is the second uncle having sex with their niece. Yeah. In in a show that does not have that many episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially as well. I was like, I do really like it after like the fourth time, the uncle's like, oh, this is wrong, this is. Hang on, mate. 
hang on. <laughs> I also, uh, I put it in the grog cabinet. I kind of feel like, but I put it in the grog cabinet, but also, you know, we talked about sometimes when there's like a dirty clue. Yeah. But it's not actually registered. Yeah. This has a really bad one because Thelma, we see Thelma, like, because I put in the grot cabinet, the way she talks about the statue, it's really sexy. And I, I was like, it feels, it sounds like she fancies the statue. <laughs> like, but it's a really dirty clue. It's not, it doesn't have to be in grot cabinet, but it's a really dirty clue where she goes to sit down to meditate in front of it. Oh, yeah. And she closes her eyes to meditate. And then she reopens her eyes. So all we are seeing, obviously, at that point, because that's all we're allowed to see, is her closing her eyes. But then in the reveal, we see her open her eyes again. You're just like, that's really dirty, that is. You've changed the staging. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, that's not on, that's not. But all all the chat leading up to that, I feel like she does want to shout the statue. They can never do it justice, can they? All the photos and illustrations. The power is so strong one can feel it. Nigimitama, the divine force of the Shintukami. Many will come here to meditate, one to one to find peace. To be the first would be a rare privilege. The risk of sounding odd. Would you mind terribly if I had a quiet moment? Also, just drop this in here because we're just talking about the statue again. I think they're a little bit cheeky with the passage of time hmm. because when you see it disappearing for the first time, it's pretty quick before she screams that it's gone. Yeah, yeah. But then when they show you the the method, it's going to take her a little bit to eat all that. Of course it is, yeah. And also, she's fucking gobbling it down <laughs> as well. So when it was in the episode when it was coming up to the reveal, I went, how are they going to show her eating this? Because I couldn't remember. She properly munches it. Yeah. She really stuffs it in her face. I feel like as the police, you would be like, that does not sound like meditating to me. <laughs> Sounds like she's fucking eating a massive bit of chocolate. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. That's, what, that's all I've got for the grot cabinet there. I mean, it's overarching grot but just misunderstanding of what a grot shop sells as well. All right, well, let's move on then for the final time, the romance update between Carla Borrego and Jonathan Creek. This is, you know, we've had however many episodes, felt like a long fucking time, um, of their relationship flowering and leading up to something. And what it leads up to is nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. We've had, and do you know what? <laughs> if external circumstances affected this, I would kind of forgive him. If it wasn't for the fact that the exact same thing happened with Maddie two series ago or one series ago, where you didn't fucking end that right either. The only thing I would say is at this point, does he know she's not coming back? Let's have him shag anyway. Yeah. So. What I surmised was, if it's five years before we then before we get a grinning man and a brand new a brand new sidekick in this form of Sheridan Smith, are they just they he just hasn't been picked? They just haven't been picked up for another series here. Yeah, I think so. Or he doesn't want to do it. Or he doesn't have any ideas because I know that is the yeah. Not there's not many interviews with Renwick about creep, but one thing he has said on the record is 
it's actually quite hard coming up with a lot of ideas, which is why I think you shift to specials yeah. from here on in. And yeah, we get a short season years and years later, but I think he was finding it hard coming up with a whole season. Like even this season has a year break within it. Yeah. But also as well, what's really strange is like, yeah, the next series is a short series, um, but they're all feature length. They're all 90 minutes and two hours long. So Groon Man, Judas Tree, and Clue the Savant soon. They're all fucking long. So yeah, they are. It's a shorter series. You're still doing the same amount. So they're years apart, these. Though. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because it goes, yeah, 1st of January. Then so it goes Christmas, Easter, Easter, three years later. Yeah. Forgetting, we'll obviously be talking about Joey Ross and Sheridan Smith, like, when she comes into it. What has this all been about with Carla? I just don't know. Because in this episode, if they did think they were going to continue with her, yeah, this is the most... Uh, I actually don't know. I was going to say that the whole thing about them sounding like they're having sex. Mm. But it doesn't register because Brendan doesn't care. No. Brendan's absent. He even makes her kiss him. There's no jealousy there. Yeah. I don't even understand what the carrot's tension's meant to be. Brendan's not even in this episode. You know what? Bigger question. I can't even tell you whether Jonathan would want to be with her. Yeah. Or whether she would him. I think maybe she is a bit more interested in him. Or, but, or I don't know. She's just mm. annoyed that he's not interested in her anymore. I just literally don't know anymore. Because a couple episodes ago, he was happily going on a date with Pam. Yeah. And he was not torn about going on a date with her as if he was with Maddie. Yeah. He's quite happy because she's married. Yeah. Well, I think this is the thing as well. It's like at the end of Satan's Chimney, we get that uh, sort of ending where she kind of lays it all out for him and just says, look, this is how I am. I'm very insecure. I need to be told this, 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 and this. And then you're like, okay, cool. Well, let's move on. I think just maybe the way the the show is made, because that is 2000, that's Boxing Day 2001. And then we don't see them then in real time. Until the first of March two thousand and three, two years later, and then, but then, and they've had their relationship, which in the yeah. in Seer in the Sands, we've we realised was never consummated intimately. So I don't even know what they have. But then we get a full series. We get a full six episodes after that, where nothing. It's never established properly. But she's married. What as their well. relationship? They make her married. Like. Is that is that the point? Are we reading too much into it? Is the point that she's married, so that's why they never do anything, and that's meant to be the crux of relationship? If it is, it's not played enough. But even if that is the crux that stops them, they don't get enough mileage of playing around with it. Either no, they don't. Yeah, you might as well just do nothing. <sighs> yeah, I just, I just, when I got to the end of it yesterday, I was just thinking to myself, like, what has this all been about with her? Because in a this, they've brought her back because she was in Satan's Chimney and they've made her the presenter of the show which seems like a nice pretense to give Jonathan new cases they could have just cast someone new yeah have Brendan as the producer director writer whatever yeah. he doesn't have to be married to the presenter you could have just had a new presenter that Jonathan because then she's a much closer proxy for Maddie yeah but instead of a writer she's just the presenter so she can even be more clueless about detection yeah and I guess, like in this is in this world, Carla Borrego is just a famous TV personality. 
Like, yeah, because she's famous enough to have an exercise tape out, which seems to be doing well. And she gets recognized on the street by builders and stuff. Two years ago, she was a theatrical agent. It's almost, yeah, he's making her, instead of what she is in her own right, whatever he needs her to be. Yeah. You're almost better. For instance, hypothetically, Sheridan Smith was cast as the presenter of this show. Yeah. You could have almost more neatly reset the dynamic. You've unnecessarily brought over all this Carla relationship stuff that just exists because of Satan's chimney. And that's the thing is like, I can't quite remember, even though I really like The Grinning Man, the next episode we're going to be talking about, isn't isn't Joey a presenter on a on an Unsolved Mysteries show? Or like she has, she's a bit more of a writer like Maddie. She's a blogger. That's it. I remember liking her. That's all I remember. <laughs> but I don't know those episodes very well. So, I, But I do remember liking her just one more thing to add that i wrote down that i didn't put in anywhere else and it probably ties into this idea of consistent characterization yeah you know what's a really weird thing to put in this episode what is this 23 episodes in or something yeah jonathan investigating a crime scene eating a cheddar sandwich which we've only ever seen once before. It's almost remote. Going, he always does that. Yeah. When did he last do it? Well, you saw him buying a cheese sandwich in the pilot. Yeah. Why is that coming back as a little quirk? Yeah, either that or the fact that this person that I've spent over 20, over a days of real time with has a crippling phobia of facial disfigurements. Which has never come up before, and he's never ever mentioned ever. Yeah, that's a really another odd thing. But as well. it's almost as if Renwick going in the pilot. Yeah, he's always going to his, his thing. His shtick is he really likes cheese sandwiches. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Paddington Bear. Don't get me wrong, I like that it comes back. It's weird. Mm. Four seasons in, it's wild, man. It's wild. I, I'm looking forward to these next few episodes now. Like, I cannot tell you how happy I am that. Brendan and Carla are out of this now because I just, I don't get it. I don't get it as a construct. I get it if you use a construct properly. If you use it. Yeah. But I don't get what their function was and what their use was and what what, what I've spent, what would have spent six episodes, seven episodes being like, oh, what's going to happen with Carla and, and Jonathan? And then nothing, nothing. It's like, why is she in this? Why is it not Adam Klaus and Jonathan trying to solve mysteries together? Like, I don't get it. I really don't get it. What's Maddie doing? <laughs> what is that stench? Please! Pressure! Pressure! On the next episode, we're haunted by the painting of The Grinning Man. Up the Creek is produced by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about games, movies, basically anything fun, including 23-year-old BBC shows about a magician's assistant who lives in a windmill. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG.